One of the senior commanders told me, if they do it the way they're telling us they're doing it, we may have to shoot our way out. And we may have to point our guns at people that have stood with us because they're rushing the airport. I made this point very strongly, directly to the president. We have a moral obligation, and there will certainly be Afghans who want to get out, who are not able to get out before the deadline. Everything that's been happening out of our pullout out of Afghanistan and the dishonorable way we're leaving has been uh, completely disheartening and heartbreaking to all those that's, that have served. You're listening to Pod Sui, the week's top stories served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 170 people, including 13 U.S. service members, were killed when ISIS carried out two separate bombings, one at the Kabul airport and the other at a nearby hotel frequently used by Westerners. It was the deadliest day for the U.S. military in Afghanistan in over a decade. The following is a timeline of events and how they played out on WJR. 9.48 a.m., WJR late morning producer Laura Hessen gets a call on her cell phone. Our contact at Fox News called me to let me know that Peter Ducey was no longer able to do the interview that we had scheduled with him. There had been an explosion in Afghanistan and that he was reacting to breaking news. So you were actually the first to find out because of that. I was. I We started flipping on the TVs and they were going to it as we were. Um, I got the call from Fox and then we started to gather more information. Laura cycles through the list of military experts in her contacts. During the news break, she and Kevin confer and at 10.08 they have Rocky Rushkovsky on the phone. Rocky, a Republican, served multiple tours of duty overseas and gave Kevin some insight on America's current operations in Kabul, as well as some background into the warring factions. Everything that's been happening out of our pullout out of Afghanistan and the dishonorable way we're leaving has been uh, completely disheartening and heartbreaking to all those that have served. As we're seeing what's happening right now, what does this indicate? Uh, what, what must the chaos be like outside that gate and at that airport? Well, you said it very well, the Abbey Gate, so that people understand what the Abbey Gate is. This is like an airport, a, a basic airport that does actually have a wall around it and a fence and a perimeter. And there's approximately now, because we've pulled out about 700 U.S. soldiers now so uh, and Marines, we're about uh, the, the capabilities there are somewhere around 4,800 soldiers and Marines on the ground. And those soldiers and Marines are predominantly under the command of a two-star Navy SEAL admiral. And they're providing airport security. So when they're providing airport security, they're not just uh, maintaining the people that are coming in and out and the flow of those individuals, but also the entire perimeter. They're providing the full security of that perimeter to make sure that there's no breaches of that airport perimeter. Um, and also maintaining to make sure that there's no surface-to-air missiles being launched on our planes. As you, you've probably seen those videos where planes C-130s or C-17s are taking off, and they're firing those, those flares, those chafe and, and flares. Those are specifically so that if there are surface-to-air missiles, that they go after the flares instead of the planes. So right now, I presume there's a lot of chaos there, um, and that the military is trying to restore order. Um, and, and our footprint, when I say footprint, the entire U.S. military um, in that small little airport um, is, is something that has drawn us as a target. And quite frankly, I'm going to kind of get into the weeds here, but I believe when you say ISIS-K, so that people understand what ISIS-K really is, 
ISIS pretty much came from the Levant, which is Syria and, and Iraq, and they are a Sunni extremist group that's very similar to the Taliban in their extremism. The K stands for the Khorasan province, uh, the, an eastern province of Afghanistan. So this was a offshoot of ISIS that appeared in the Khorasan province, and I believe that we are basically focusing on this ISIS-K, but it's actually, from my personal perspective and many in the intelligence community, we believe that it's part of the Hikani network that is creating another black eye onto the United States and trying to embarrass us as we are leaving Afghanistan. Waiting on a press conference is one of the more stressful aspects of being in the information business. More often than not, they're late, and most of the time, producer and host have to choose between tap dancing for an indefinite amount of time or risk rudely ditching a guest for a more urgent story. On the radio, there's really no graceful way to get into one either. You just kind of hold your breath and bring everything to a crashing halt in hopes you don't miss anything important. Military officials describe a complex suicide attack involving at least two bombers and gunmen attacking the crowds massed at the airport gates waiting for evacuation flights out of Afghanistan. We have lost 12 Marines in Afghanistan. Let's get the latest in the Pentagon briefing now live. Just past 3 p.m. at the beginning of the Guy Gordon Show, General Kenneth McKenzie, Commander U.S. Central Command, held a press briefing along with Pentagon spokesman John Kirby. Commander McKenzie highlighted some of the military successes at the Kabul airport and stood behind the mission. Even if he didn't, he couldn't break rank with the Commander-in-Chief. Let me be clear. While we're saddened by the loss of life, both U.S. and Afghan, we're continuing to execute the mission. Yesterday, we brought in over 500 American citizens. It would be difficult to overestimate the number of unusual challenges and competing demands that our forces on the ground have faced. The threat to our forces, particularly from ISIS-K, is very real, as we have seen today. I would also like to express the sense of profound pride I have in the creative, determined, and professional way that our forces have overcome those challenges and to deliver the, rem- the results that we talked about in my opening portion of the remarks, the number of people that we've been able to extract from Afghanistan. When a story as big and as tragic as the ISIS attack on the Kabul airport happens, best laid plans often go out the window. Democrat Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin was scheduled to talk about a bill regarding veterans and service dogs, along with infrastructure funding at 335 with the Guy Gordon Show. But that was before the attack on the airport. Congresswoman Slotkin, who has served in both the CIA and the Department of Defense, was actually working to bring stranded Americans and Afghan allies with Michigan ties home to safety when she dialed into Guy's show. She also recounted a very blunt conversation she recently had with President Biden. Well, Guy, I mean, literally just before I got on the radio, I was sitting with a big group of people um, here in the Lansing area, uh, everyone from refugee nonprofit organizations uh, to local officials to local Afghans um, who are, are trying to prepare and, and, and deal with, try to get some folks over here. Uh, it is, um, we were able to get hundreds of people through the gate last night, people with Michigan mm-hmm. connections. Um, it's been painful. It took me nine days to secure safe transport through a gate um, for these folks. And now we were scheduled to get them on a charter flight and get them out. Um, so it is just, um, you know, you, you're getting texts from Afghans on the ground who are being hunted, who are in hiding, who already have death threats over their, over their heads. And I am just a big believer that the United States should be willing to risk for those who risk their own lives to help us. So uh, yesterday I made this point very strongly directly to the president. 
we have a moral obligation. Um, you know, we gave our hands in solidarity with these folks. They risked themselves, and we need to do, get as many out as we can. But the truth is, we're all seeing the same things on TV, and there will certainly be Afghans who want to get out who are not able to get out before the deadline. And that is one of the most painful parts of this. It, it, it is. Did you ask the president to reconsider his decision to hold fast to that August 31st deadline, to perhaps extend it in order to get some of those people, including those people with Michigan connections, out of Afghanistan? I did, um, and I've been saying this pretty consistently in every you know media hit and every every uh, post I can do um, that uh, that please give us more time um, and. Um, we didn't always agree. We had a frank conversation. Um, I appreciated that he gave me a lot of time. Uh, I was there to sign a completely unrelated bill uh, about veterans and dogs. Um, but we ended up talking about this for, uh, you know, the majority of our time. Um, and um, he, he was, um, fl- frankly, flagging all the threat information, flagging how concerned he was that we would lose U.S. Airmen, Marines, soldiers, as we have today. Just past five, President Biden interrupted the Mitch Album show with a press briefing of his own. It was reported earlier in the day that there would be no update. The president did his best to reassure a skeptical and outraged public that he had the situation under control. To those who carried out this attack, as well as anyone who wishes America harm, know this. We will not forgive. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. As the first live and local show of the morning, Paul W. Smith is tasked with resetting the current news cycle while transitioning into a new one. Friday's docket included Democrat Congresswoman Debbie Dingell and Republican Congressman Tim Wahlberg giving a reaction to Thursday events from their respective sides of the aisle, along with former FBI agent and chair of the House Intelligence Committee Mike Rogers, who wasn't buying what Biden was selling in his press conference. I have to tell you, when he said that he had military commanders write him letters saying that they liked the, this mission, I, I about fell out of my chair. Um, I don't know, and I talked to a lot of them, both during leading up to, including some of the senior leaders that were in Afghanistan, about what this was all about. And this was well, well over a month ago. One of the senior commanders told me, if they do it the way they're telling us they're doing it, we may have to shoot our way out and we may have to point our guns at people that have stood with us because they're rushing the airport. He predicted that a month ago. These are guys on the ground who were giving the reports up through their military chain of command. So they either didn't listen or whatever. Think of this. Bagram, we could have protected. So Bagram is an airport a little bit north of Kabul. This, the airport that you see is right as an urban airport, just damn near impossible to defend. Uh, and then we... The, the, the Biden administration made a deal with the Taliban. Remember, they were conducting suicide bombings during the peace negotiations. Suicide bombings, right? This is not a legitimate government. Half of their uh, their soldiers can't read; they're illiterate, uh, and which is why, by the way, they told women to stay in their homes. Right? Remember, they told you they were a new Taliban, but they say, "Well, you better stay in your home because our people don't know how to treat women." Well, they're already showing that they're falling back on that. If we would have kept Bagram Airport to the north, we could have, A, defended it, and B, it would have been a lot more orderly, and we wouldn't have this problem of suicide bombers being able to run up on the gate and kill U.S. men and women who have the courage 
to put up their right hand and say, I will defend. I mean, it's, if you get into this, it is maddening. It's disappointed the way we're treating the men and women that we ask to come out of the back of their homes to help is shameful for the country. And it's costing us external problems. Our international partners, I was with a very senior Pakistani security official about a, well, maybe two weeks ago now. And we were, there was some suggestion about, hey, there's, there might be a way that Pakistan could help on the security after this mess. And this guy looked me right in the eye and said, why would anyone ever trust the United States again? Why? Uh, you know, it's pretty hard when I didn't know what the answer was. One of your tweets, Mike Rogers, and thank you again for staying on with us a little longer, talked about a, what in effect was a government-supplied kill list. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, sure can. And by the way, stay on for the coach. That Taylor uh, Taylor win was pretty phenomenal. So stay on <laughs> and listen to the coach. I'm sorry, coach. Good for um, you. First of all, what happened was at least the reporting, and we and no one has denied it from the administration, that they provided lists of both Americans that they couldn't get to, and Afghans who had worked with the government that they wanted to get to the airport. Now remember, the Taliban has been executing people. Uh, in the eastern provinces that they have determined works with the West. And so when you hand it the Taliban, which is a terrorist organization, I, why all of a sudden we've conferred that they are this 10-foot-tall soldiers with a, with a functioning government is beyond me. That, These are thugs. These are thugs. Oh, yeah. Well, now how... they have the lists of the people that they know. So when that last airplane takes off and these people are still trapped in Kabul or around, around the country, what do you think is going to happen? 24 hours after the attack, WJR Late Mornings with Kevin Dietz has gone from reacting and reporting breaking news in real time to day after commentary and analysis. Congressman Jack Bergman, who served in the Marine Corps, earning the rank of Lieutenant General, and Army Captain John James, who served two tours of duty in Iraq. Well, Americans are going to have to really come to, if you will, have a little come-to-Jesus moment for what they voted for or what they didn't vote for last November. And what you get when you send someone who has never, and I, I say never, never been in a leadership role. The president has never been a commander-in-chief. All he was was a senator. You know, he might have led a committee, but he never, never was in a leadership role. He was, he was predictable on the front end here. What we have to do now is we have to be very aware, not only outside our borders, which the military... And uh, some of our other, other forces over there will do absolutely everything they can to get Americans out and uh, get our partners out. But we have to maintain a vigilance now because there are people, there are entities out there who would like to repeat 9-11. I mean, I've, I've dealt with these folks for decades. I was an airline pilot, and I was, you know, I was supposed to be flying on 9-11, but one of those planes could have been me. So this is very personal. And I, I know that somewhere... Somewhere in this country, in the past 24 hours, even right now, there's a bunch of Marines putting on their dress uniforms, and they're linking up with, with chaplains, and, and they're, they're signing for a, a crappy 15-passenger van and, and being provided with a packet that depicts the exact location of, of next of kin. Uh, they're they're going to be knocking on a door of some mother, some father, some son, some daughter, some wife, some, some husband, and they're going to be changing their lives forever. And we're in this situation because 
we have forgotten. We have forgotten what it takes to make sure that we prosecute the war and exit properly. I, the job of president is a CEO role. And while I have said that I pray for our president each and every single day, and I want him to be successful as our commander in chief, President Biden has not had the occasion to develop the skill set to understand what it takes to run the military. So um, I, I, I think that right now our focus should be on, on, on rallying our, our country together, agreeing that we need to end this, this forever war, but recognizing that we need to get every American out. We need to get every ally out. We need to do the right thing and keep our promises. And if the president of the United States cannot or will not do that, then he needs to step aside and let somebody who can do it. That'll do it for Podsui. For full interviews or anything else you might have missed, visit thegreatvoice.com. See you next time.